0: Happy Monday. Welcome to the Sneak Preview, our podcast where we follow the current film release calendar. I'm Connor Azagari, and today is extra special because it's Filmgasm Productions co-founder Caleb Leger's first Sneak Preview. Welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, Caleb recently made his debut on the Filmgasm podcast with Leprechaun and Jurassic Park. And he's here today to help me review the recently released Bob Odenkirk-led action thriller, Nobody. Uh, first thoughts, very exciting movie and uh psych to talk about it.
1: Yeah. Agreed. I, uh, I kind of went in blind. Mostly I haven't did not see a single trailer, not because I chose to let that be known because <laughs> of the circumstances with my personal life. Yeah. Uh, I had seen a trailer. So I went in blind, like had, I just knew reviews from it and what people were saying and how good it was. And yeah, I walked away going, wow. That was impressive. I was not expecting that from Bob Odenkirk at all. Yeah, he's
0: his stock has risen significantly in the past 10 years. Like Jesus Christ, he's at the top now. Uh, very happy for that because he is a talented actor who doesn't seem to think he's a talented actor, which is hilarious. Uh, before we get into that, let's take a look at what happened last week in film. Last week, in film. First up, trailer time. Uh, The big one this past week was the Red Band trailer for DC's next film, the R-rated reboot slash sequel, The Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn, set for release on August 6th. And this looks fucking awesome. Like, who else but James Gunn could do this? I'm um
1: so I saw that trailer. I was eating breakfast, and fuck, it looks good. Like it's almost as if like the best thing that could have happened was James Gunn getting temporarily fired from Guardians Three to do this because now we live in a world where we're getting this movie and Guardians Three both from James Gunn, and this looks amazing alone.
0: Well, I mean, it already looks like a huge improvement on. 2016 suicide squad which got you know just wrecked by the suits and uh with this one it looks like you know they're embracing the weird side of this group which is perfect cuz James Gunn his you know expertise is weird stories and he's already proven what he can do with marvel's material and now we're going to get to see fucking starro the conqueror for the first time in uh, on the big screen i can't wait i'm so excited for this
1: oh not just that but like i what i love is that he likes doing the characters that don't get movie treatments like yes you have holly crannan in and you got some people that have been in movies numerous times but he also has polka dot man of all people
0: i (laughs) think the the big one is fucking king shark like voice by stallone like wow what i got no words it's just it's perfect
1: when i didn't even know that until i saw that the next day after the trail, and they were like yeah you, yeah it's confirmed he's voicing king shark and i was like what
0: that's fantastic i do love that he kept what wasn't broken you know he kept margot robbie viola davis jai courtney and joel Kinneman, but cleaned house and started from scratch with a whole new team i mean john cena's peacemaker looks ridiculous but so fun I john cena is a to me right now very underappreciated
1: as far as like his switch to acting yeah because i've seen him a lot of the comedy season he's fucking hilarious and he looks like he's gonna be just as good in this i hope this actually brings some i know he's not underappreciated he's famous wrestler and transitioning but he's definitely to me making that transition really good and this looks like he's going to keep doing
0: that well he's already got a uh hbo max series spinoff set for the peacemaker
1: look based off this trailer i'm down to see it i love that whole like if there's if this island was filled with dicks (laughs) (laughs) do it for
0: liberty (laughs) and i would do it gladly (laughs) crazy motherfucker i love that he's been described as a douchey captain america i mean (laughs) I'm on board immediately. I like him. Idris Elba. Mm. Blood sport.
1: That's going to be awesome. Like, and yeah, like you said, like they're keeping what works. So you got Margarita. He's proven to be really, really good as Harley Quinn. So I'm glad she's staying. Um, again, I did like Viola Davis in the first series as cars. So the fact that she's coming back is good. And I like how, yes, it kept Joel Kinnaman, but they have completely changed his character <laughs> to make him a lot more fun to watch
0: yeah i i'm psyched uh All right. i really hope the suits stay the fuck out of this i think the fact that you know james gunn could pretty much write his own ticket and it's rated r proves that i think they are staying out of it
1: I, yeah i think that and the fact that how he got hired tells me they will stay out of it i think because of the fact that he pretty much got hired because marvel let him go and dc wanted a chance to swoop yeah. in there
0: The Suicide Squad is the closest thing that DC has to Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I think this is going to be a case where yeah, they stay out of it. They've been doing a mostly good job of staying out of it and giving us
0: actual good movies since Ackerman, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Mm. No, because we got Wonder Woman 1984.
1: I haven't seen it yet, and I have not heard good things, so...
0: (laughs) Yeah, that movie suffers from a serious lack of focus and just so kind was of... That,
1: hmm? Was that the studio's fault or the director doing that classic biting off more she, than she can chew with a sequel?
0: Because that happens a lot with superhero films too. True, but I mean, her track records... I, Wonder Woman, the first one, was really good because you know she was able to do what she wanted. I feel like Wonder Woman 1984, because the studios saw the first one as a hit, that they micromanaged her to hell. That's what I think happened. But okay. I got nothing to back that up. That's just what I think. But it could be Patty Jenkins just went, you know, she broke the camel's back. That could be it.
1: Yeah. That's why I say, like, that one, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying it's not impossible with fucking Warner Brothers, but at the same time, like, I've also seen it where they bite off one they can chew, and then we get, like, this overstuffed movie. Oh,
0: yes. Uh, well, that looks great, Suicide Squad. I wish they titled it something different. I think The Suicide Squad is a little clunky, but I don't yeah,
1: care. We live in a world where we have to deal with nine Fast and Furious titles, so it's okay with me. <laughs>
0: yeah. Bringing it it's back just... to John Cena.
1: <laughs> I can't, and you know what? I'm saying right now, I'm probably going to see the ninth movie in theaters because yeah, i am all at this point.
0: <laughs> I'm interested to see how a man so – Determined and obsessed with family has never mentioned a renegade special forces little brother. <laughs> that okay. That's upon the trailer that had you, not the end of the trailer when a character comes back from the dead. That one too. And that's in they do they are doing that entirely because they've chosen to make Deckard Shaw a good guy now. <laughs> so they can't have him, you know, the death of a friend on his conscience anymore. So they just erased it. Oh, I'm sure they'll come up with a not convoluted and easy way to explain it. I'm sure the Fast and the Furious movies are terrible storytelling, but they are fun as fuck and billion dollar grocers now. So I don't, you I, know, I, I
1: remember seeing the first one on TV and thinking that was a good movie. I never thought it'd go on to spawn
0: nine sequels and a spinoff. I can't believe that in the first movie they are stealing like fat back TVs and VCRs <laughs> and now in part nine they're working for like the fucking CIA for some reason like the CIA hires you know over. LA street racer like are you kidding me <laughs> They're working for Mr. Nobody okay <laughs> it's so over the top and I love it <laughs> oh yeah that'll be fun fast you know we will for sure be doing F9, as it's called, on this show when it comes out.
1: <laughs> it's the titles. The titles of these movies. F9, the Fast Saga. What the fuck are you going to call the last one? The 10th one?
0: <laughs> I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be on the moon or some shit.
1: They keep hinting at it,
0: and honestly at this point, okay. i calling it right now. When 10 comes out, somehow we are going to see Dom's like muscle car Tokyo Drift on either an asteroid or the space station. (laughs) That's going to happen. And I, yeah, I'll be there. We're watching. The other trailer that came out this week, and this came out literally today, I watched this trailer right before we started recording, a film called Stowaway uh set oh. for a netflix release on april 22nd did you get a chance to check out this trailer
1: yes i saw it a couple of days ago actually
0: oh well i'm behind it then
1: uh you <laughs> scared me i was like oh shit i haven't watched any trailers today. i've just been watching joe bob and then you saw the title i was like oh okay
0: well i i saw it today i thought i thought it was new but whatever still it looks intriguing um anna kendrick uh tony collette uh daniel Dai Kim, and uh uh Shamir Anderson a guy wakes up like on a Mars mission he got stuck in the vents or something and uh he's trapped on this two year mission to Mars but they do not have enough on board to sustain four people that is an interesting concept and I'm I'm intrigued by this one so this one will also come up on the show at some point well not at some point April 22nd <laughs> it's a very yeah. structured show <laughs> yeah uh I'm I'm
1: interested I'm not like super excited just because I like the cast. Um, love Tony and Collette. She's pretty much like core royalty at this point. Uh but at the same time, Netflix's track record movies is like 50 50
0: at best. True. Lately they've been like I think quality's been going up lately. I've I've been gone for a year, so I oh, don't know. That's true. There's a year gap in quality that I've missed out on. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh well, they just like they've been doing a lot of space movies uh, like they did the Midnight Sky this past December with George Clooney, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed. A lot of people didn't, but I thought it was pretty good. Uh, so we'll see. I'm going to watch it and uh, yeah, I'll tell you for myself. I'll still check it out. I'm so a sucker because nah, it's streaming. It's I'm home, so it's convenient. Yeah. Well, and also I'm on a personal quest to watch every movie that comes out this year. And I'm doing a pretty damn good job so far. Do you say that now, but
1: this is sounding like the year is supposed to be reopening, so I feel like you eventually going to hit a month where you get
0: just flooded. Bring it on. I have been wanting nothing less. You say that now, Mom? I'm yeah. waiting for the text of you just drowning going, I can't do it. I can't do it. No, I man. This is, this is what I live for. I, I mean, we had a week, you know, when we did Moxie where I, you know, tackled – three additional movies and gave my two cents. And we still had a decent show, I do think. So bring it on.
1: Do you like living your life a quarter mile at a time? <laughs> bring it back.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Ridiculous movie. Uh, next up, Disney has pushed Black Widow to July 9th where it will get a simultaneous release on in theaters and on Disney plus for an additional $30 fee for premier access, which is, I've been very vocal about how, you know, how much that's complete horseshit. Uh, But at least we'll finally get to see this damn thing. I'm I'll be there at the movies.
1: Yeah. I'm not paying 30 bucks on Disney plus when HBO max lets me watch their stuff for free. If it's a new release and yeah, no, I'll, I'll go see in th- theaters. Um, obviously, I need to hurry up once I get through with my Joe Bob. I need to hurry up and watch WandaVision, and more likely it will be completely done at that point, Falcon Winter Soldier, but I will make a point to catch
0: up on the shows because I know they're connected to this phase. True, but considering Black Widow was originally supposed to come out before all that, I think you're fine. True, but I also know that
1: Feige has contingency plans like he's Batman or something. So I don't want to risk it.
0: I didn't know about the contingency plan. He, I'm that's awesome.
1: He said on numerous interviews I've heard when people have like worried about like whenever they shift movies around. he's like, oh no
0: right I got plans after plans on how we're doing this. Jesus I love his <laughs> his forward thinking. Jesus, so great. Uh, yeah, I'm behind on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I gotta get up on that too. yeah know, I, mean, I hear i I know it's only like I think two episodes now are out, but I've heard really good things about both episodes so. I have, I've been staying away from it because I don't want to accidentally get anything spoiled for me. Uh, but, yeah, I have no doubts. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. Uh, also, Disney has pushed Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings to September 3rd. Uh, I'll be amazed if that actually comes out this year. Because <laughs> we've gotten, like, virtually nothing on that film.
1: Yeah, I haven't heard, like... Marvel, you know, besides the Black Road trailer, like everything else, you just hear release date changes, nothing yeah. else. So like, and I'm, I'm sure they'll come out with it unless they want to Inhumans to shit out of that, which I don't know. I still wonder why they did what they did with that movie. Well, TV show now. Uh, what a waste. Yeah, but you know, I'm sure it'll come out just whenever they decide
0: whenever he works out, whatever plan XYZ he wants to do. I doubt Shang-Chi, Eternals, or Spider-Man are coming out this year. I doubt it. Yeah. Well, I have a little bit more faith for Spider-Man just because I
1: know, like, I remember you were telling me when I was on deployment, all the news they were announcing. So there's been actual news on that front, but I don't think they filmed it yet, have they? No, I think they're they're in the midst. Okay. That Make one started. Okay, that one might.
0: They might be able to pull it off, but it's 50 50. Like that one is shaky. Well, I have a feeling that Sony's going to hold that one up. Because I think they have say in most of the production of this film. So, I if it does come out, it's going to be because Sony won't let them move it.
1: They're really... Sony's make, pissing me off with this whole thing. Like, they finally agreed to a deal with Marvel. Marvel gives them two big hit Spider-Man movies. Two! Where well, they're sharing the piece of that pie with Sony. And then Sony turns around and wants to play hardball when the third movie is getting ready to come out. Because what? The animated film was a huge success?
0: That and because Venom was a huge success.
1: Yeah, except Venom only worked because of Tom Hardy. not I mean, I didn't completely hate it, but most
0: of why I liked it was 100% Tom Hardy. Not really everything else about that movie. Well, yeah, but Sony sees dollar signs and they, they see we don't need Marvel to make money. And that is dangerous.
1: That is because. Since then, you know, pandemic hit, and they had Morbius coming out, but okay, I'll see how that, I'm still skeptical a little bit, because again, it only worked because of Tom Hardy for me. Jerry
0: Lowe doesn't have that factor like Tom Hardy does. Yeah, but Morbius has potentially Michael Keaton as the vulture in that movie. That 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 could be linked to the the MCU, which means Marvel, I mean, Sony may be about to play ball. We don't know. Mm -hmm. I hope they do. It would be nice because um, I mean, okay. I know I
1: haven't. I only mentioned Land man film, but I did really like Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Um, to the point that uh, my I've been playing whenever I can. I play really a little bit that Spider-Man Miles Miles Morales. You get the Into the Spider-Verse skin. I definitely put it on. I'm playing as
0: Into the Spider-Verse skin. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, James Marsden and Adina Menzel are returning for the Disney sequel Disenchanted joining Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey who have already been announced as returning. This will be a Disney plus release. And I guess happily ever after does not last forever. Uh, I haven't seen enchanted in like 10, 15 years. I, I saw it when I was a kid and I remember thinking I'm not really enjoying this that much. So I haven't watched it since.
1: Same. I haven't watched it since. I like Amy Adams. I usually like whatever she does. Um, But, yeah, honestly, on the Disney Plus front, I remember um, between you and this newspaper we got on the boat called Stars and Stripes, basically like a a military newspaper, they had put in the thing when Disney Plus made their huge slate announcement. Oh, yeah. And I remember, like, the Star Wars shows and the Marvel shows got me super excited. And then I read the movies list, like, the things on there. Mm -hmm. And not a single thing on there made me go, oh, my God like disenchanted hocus pocus was like all right cool
0: i think the one that's most like the weirdest one i think is cruella like why are like, i don't know why they're taking like a girl power approach to it where like cruella Deville has never been viewed as like a possible feminist icon mm. her whole deal is she wants to kill all these puppies like there's no way to justify that one
1: it it has to do with this whole it just has to do with our political climate right now our social climate
0: but there's so I'm, many other characters they could have used for this idea and they went with the with the dog killer
1: <laughs> i'm with you but with that said what i've really hated about these live action things they've been doing is that they've been plot like plot for plot they the movie except yeah. in fear that's true. um it's why, honestly, I have yet to watch Aladdin. I have yet to watch Lion King. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I have the animated films that I love way more. Um,
0: if you can just forget that Robin Williams played the genie, Aladdin is not bad. Apart from the guy who plays Jafar, he was terrible.
1: You're asking so much of me right now. You're saying, hey, you know your
0: childhood that you grew up with? I'm, I'm right there. I know. It was tough. But Will Smith does a decent job of doing his own thing. Uh, I've heard
1: Will Smith is not bad. He's it. not. And I, I, I like Will Smith. It's not. I like Will Smith a lot.
0: I'm, I'm on the fence. I was a fan. I Lately, not really.
1: I like Bad Boys for Life a lot. That was good. That was good. Mm, yeah. Uh, um, but... But, like, okay, when Disney did Maleficent, I haven't seen the sequel. I've only seen the first one. But I actually really like Maleficent because it said, okay, how do we approach this, like, animated film we did years ago but put a twist to get people that have seen and interested,
0: oh, we just saw a different side of the story, which they did. Yeah, that's why I like The Jungle Book because The Jungle Book added to the story. It, It gave you more plot, and I appreciated that. Beauty and the Beast was pure nostalgia, and that just got me in the heart, and I can't hate that. Yeah. Lion King pissed me off. The Lion King remake was shot for shot. That's... Uh, And it was just, like, the same dialogue, the same songs. Beyonce got one extra song. Uh, All the voice cast is barely trying. James Earl Jones would, would, would rather be anywhere else. And it's just uh, terrible. I was so upset. I was like, why does this exist? It's the same exact movie. All it did was give Disney another billion dollars. Yeah. It.
1: Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to rush to see Lion King. Um, I might see Karellix again. Like on one hand, they were going at it from a different angle. Yeah. I like, but yeah, it's, you pick the person whose whole plot in the cartoon was to kill the dogs.
0: Like every other Disney villain has like a, another side of their personality that you could explore. This woman is, I want to kill puppies and that's all I want. Like there's no nuance to Cruella DeVille. <laughs> well, you know, I have to see it. I, you know, I'm doing a, a current movie podcast. So Cruella will come up on this show. And I like Emma Stone. I'm an Emma
1: Stone fan. So.
0: I am, too. I am, too.
1: And I think she'll be really good. You want to hear something that will kill you because we're not too far apart in age? I took some buddies of mine when Zombieland Double Tap came out to go see it. Mm -hmm. Now, these guys are, like, at most 2021, right? Mm -hmm. It's a couple of guys from the Bowden Division. Okay. And Emma Stone, I think she's not far off from age. She's, like, 30, 31. She's Mm -hmm. around there, right? Yeah. We get done watching the movie. We're we're leaving, we're talking about how much we liked it because I really like double tap. Me too. And one of the guys back there goes, Man, Emma Stone got old. And I'm just like, what, what? did you just say? <laughs> I'm not far from her age, asshole.
0: <laughs> if anybody got old, it's Abigail Breslin. I mean, Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, I'm like, she looks the
0: same as when I first remember seeing her in the movie ten, in the first movie 10 years ago. Zombieland is the first R-rated movie I was turned away from. (laughs) That was funny. It was uh, me and my me and my friend Colton at the time, back in Maryland, uh, in two thousand nine. So I was fourteen, and um, we went. We bought like we were gonna go buy tickets, and uh, the guy said like it's rated R, you can't go in. And I'm like, I didn't prepare for this. Uh, What do we do now? He called his grandma and Colton's grandma saw Zombieland with us. <laughs> and it was a great movie. I had a great time, but I was like hoping she was just going to buy the tickets and leave. But nope, she stayed with <laughs> watched the movie with us. <laughs> I mean,
1: I mean, my parents sit there. As soon as I got on Bleer. like you guys have to watch this movie. It is so funny.
0: I was so jazzed that Zombieland 2 was good. I was really hoping it was going to be good. And I loved it. I thought it was just as good as the first one.
1: Oh, yeah. It's, it was so funny. As soon as I saw that trailer, I was like, oh, yes. We might have
0: something here. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, moving on. Promising young woman writer and director Emerald Fennell has been tapped by DC and Warner Brothers to write a Zatanna movie. Uh, just adding to their ongoing announcements of movies that probably will never happen. Uh, no, any up-and-comer, anybody who does anything remotely successful, DC's like, hey, you want to write a movie based on one of our characters and we'll never produce it? How's that sound?
1: It's almost like they don't want Marvel to get them. So like, hey, can you do one of our characters? And it's annoying because Marvel announces a movie and I get excited because I know eventually, unlike that one time with Inhumans, it's going to come out. And I can be excited. But DC were announced a movie, and I'll be like, oh, fuck yeah. And then all of a sudden it won't come out. Like Green Lanterns, the Green Lantern core movie was supposed to have come out last year. Yeah. If you all recall the the original date, never got it. I was chased. I was like, oh, they were going to try to redeem
0: Green Lantern, and it never happened. Batgirl, Cyborg. Yep. Nope. Never happening. It's like, you know, DC and Marvel are playing tag on the playground. And DC is that annoying kid who just keeps yelling "timeout" right before he gets tagged. That's what that's what this is. You're right; they are poaching talent because they don't want Marvel to have it. That's exactly what's happening.
1: <laughs> so Marvel doesn't give a shit. They're like, we don't care. We have the second highest grossing film of all time. Avatar beat it recently because you I know, know I know, you
0: know. <clears throat> that's that's a sensitive. That's an open wound over here. I'm, I was very upset about that. Really? Am I about to tap into something again without knowing it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm holding. I'm holding
1: it down. That's good. Just know that you know it's the second highest gross film of all time now.
0: I don't think it's fair that you can just re-release movies like that and get a little boost. I don't think that should be an allowed. I'm not. cool, I'm not okay with this
1: honestly it bugged me too when i heard that like they re-released it in china i was like are you are you serious it's
0: fucking cheating that's what that is
1: it is and honestly between the two movies while I don't i do enjoy watching avatar i liked Endgame a lot more it's a better movie
0: yeah significantly Ugh. moving on helen mirren has been cast as the villain Hespera in Shazam Fury of the Gods set for release in 2023. Uh, Weirdly, Hespera is an original character described as the daughter of the Titan Atlas. So not a DC Comics character, uh, which is weird. And uh, I'm psyched. I like Helen Mirren a lot. I enjoyed Shazam. Uh, Wish she was playing a comic book character, but, you know, we'll see where this is going.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I like Helen Mirren a lot. And... I really enjoyed Shazam. I was hoping they'd make a sequel. So I'm glad to hear there is one coming out and we got some pretty good talent attached. So
0: I agree. I agree. Uh, next up, this was really exciting. Pierce Brosnan has been cast as DC hero, Dr. Fate in the upcoming black Adam film, which is currently in production. Uh, this movie is going to feature the Justice Society of America. So they're rounding that out. And Pierce Brosnan is a great person to attach to Dr. Fate. That's going to be awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. I Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I do think it's weird that Black Adam's just getting his own movie. Yeah, me too. I don't quite get that. <laughs> I don't understand why. I mean, the most only way I can justify it is because it's The Rock and his personality. will guarantee this being a smash hit. But at the same time, like... I think I really want him in a Shazam movie because I actually think he would play really well off of
0: Zachary Levy. Yeah. Well, you know, black Adams is arch nemesis. Like, why is that not happening? (laughs) Yeah. because like, (laughs) comics wise, arch nemesis. I think actors wise, with how Levy portrayed
1: Shazam in the first movie, Mm -hmm. how well he did it. I feel like they would actually do a really
0: good job together in the same movie. I agree. Um, and this is almost like a passion project for Dwayne Johnson now. And, uh, They've been trying to make this for years now. I hope it finally happens, if only so we can stop talking about it. I feel like we've been talking about this movie for like eight, nine years now. He's really wanted this. Apparently apparently a lot more than a Fast and Furious sequel. He's wanted Black Adam. Well, we all know the bad blood there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one more DC announcement. Ron Livingston has been cast as Henry Allen in the upcoming Flash film, replacing Billy Crudup. Uh, so Peter Gibbons is getting a new job. <laughs> Very excited. I, I love Ron Livingston. So yeah. I'm psyched.
1: Yeah, he's funny. I, I mean, I'm psyched, but I'm t- honestly being honest, Flash, not super excited for because it it's been delayed. Cast changes, rewrites, like so much
0: that's happened with that movie that's like, Okay. It can take as long as it needs to. As long as Michael Keaton stays, I'm I'm in.
1: Yeah. I had heard from somewhere that he's not entirely sure if he's actually going to be in it.
0: Yeah, he's, he came out and said that he's having second thoughts, and that's just upsetting. Yeah, apparently the COVID stuff. And I'm like, no, don't. This don't Flash take- movie feels like it's on the verge of falling apart, and I don't want it to. I want I want to see Michael Keaton play Batman again. I've been so excited about that for like a year now. And I hope that it happens. Somehow Ezra Mello's
1: enthusiasm for this movie has somehow kept it afloat.
0: (laughs) I guess. Yeah. I mean, dude can do anything. Apparently he's somehow untouchable. Uh, Choked out a fan. Saw the video. Not going to just leave that alone. (laughs) Next up, Seth Rogen has been cast as Steven Spielberg's uncle in his upcoming film about his childhood. Sure, why not? (laughs) It fits. He's Jewish. I love Seth Rogen. So, yeah, okay. (laughs) Wonder what this film's going to be like. If this, if this is going to be, I mean, it's probably going to be. You know, we talked in Jurassic Park about Oscar Spielberg and fun Spielberg. This sounds like Oscar Spielberg.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be Oscar Spielberg. But I mean, it's let's be honest. We were going to get a biography on this guy at some point.
0: It's just weird to do your own biography that part is weird i've never heard of an autobiographical movie well rocket man kind of eight mile kind of also true yeah it does happen it's weird when it happens but it does happen
1: and i don't think anyone was really surprised with eminem doing one because it's eminem
0: yeah (laughs) uh Let's end with some sad news. Um, Oscar-nominated actor George Siegel has died at 87 years old due to complications from surgery. Siegel was nominated for his performance in 1966's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And he was well-known for his role as Pop Solomon on The Goldbergs. And uh, he will be missed. I have yet to see Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. I bought it recently, but when I got home, the movie was not in the case, so I had to return it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's the movie.
1: Uh, I haven't seen it I haven't seen it either i the only thing I've seen of the Goldbergs besides advertisements for it was uh, I watched a clip on YouTube when uh, Freddie uh, England appeared as not Freddie England Wow Robert England Jesus my mind <laughs> I fucked that up. when Robert <laughs> England appeared
0: as Freddie <laughs> one final time for us, I figured that's the only bit of that show you would have seen yeah. <laughs> Look, it's, cool. it's cool that he did that. Uh, I don't think he's ever gonna be Freddie again. I think that's it. It's weird that that was his swan song for the for
1: the role. I think they had to work a lot on that one because before that he was very adamant that he's not putting on the makeup again because I think he's in he's in his seventies now and it it's a long process. It, he's probably not game for it anymore. But I think they were able to convince them to be like, hey, can you do it just one more time for our little show?
0: Because it'd be really cool. Nick Castle's in his 70s too. He still played Michael. Just saying.
1: Yeah, but I eh, Freddie requires a little bit more. You got to you gotta talk and you gotta make jokes, and there's a lot more to it.
0: You put enough zeros on the end of a check, Robert England will come back as Freddie Krueger. I don't think so. Trust me
1: well his estate has the franchise and we have yet to hear anything about a new movie so i didn't know that yeah
0: <laughs>
1: yeah i was like <laughs> his estate has the rights
0: again not new line. that's actually pretty cool that england has the uh the elm street rights mm-hmm. did like west craven leave them to him or something uh, I, it was a Russ Craving on New Line did some kind of weird
1: thing because the things got shuffled around when New Line won Friday 13 so they could do Freddy vs. Jason and then, you know, the remakes were coming out and they were being done by Platinum Dunes which is a, a subsidiary of Paramount, I believe. So it just, the uh, rights get all fucking wonky. Somehow
0: I ended up going to his estate. <laughs> God, this... The amount of red tape in these franchises is fucking staggering. It really is unbelievable to me, man. It seems like it should be so simple, but it's the farthest thing from. And the more I learn about it, the crazier this rabbit hole gets.
1: You know what? Honestly, what, how it's going on Friday 13th, I'm glad that it's a, it, it ended up the way it did with Nightmare. Yeah. Because <laughs> this means, like, at most, ask permission to make a movie. And as long as we like your Dale, okay, we get a new Freddy movie.
0: Are there any filmmakers right now who you think would do a decent Elm Street? Um, Right now,
1: uh, you know what? I could see someone like Mike Flanagan, who's done things like Dr. Sleep, uh, Haunting of Hill House, stuff like that. I feel like he'd do a really good job. Um, I know, and I'm actually kind of down for this, Elijah Wood has a production company and he was on a podcast where they asked, is there any, cause he does a lot of horror movies with that company. And he was like, is there any big franchise you would be interested in? And without missing a beat, he was like, I would love to do a nightmare on Elm street. <laughs> and funny. you know what? I, I'm down. I'm kind of curious. Cause I've seen some of what his company comes out with and they do really cool, inventive, neat, uh small horror films. So I'm cool. I'm curious on what he would do if they ever let him do it.
0: Yeah, me too. That'd be sweet. Um, Finally, uh, this was sad. Um, Emmy winning actress Jessica Walter has passed away at 80 years old from natural causes. Uh, she was known for her role as Lucille Bluth on Arrested Development and as Mallory Archer on Archer. And uh, she will be missed for sure. I've yet to see uh, play Misty for me, that's like her big horror uh, claim to fame. Uh, I'd like to watch that. And uh, I'm a, I was a big Arrested Development fan and a big Archer fan, so mm. damn shame. I'm gonna miss her, yeah. Yeah, I,
1: yeah, I'm a big, I haven't seen Arrested Development, but I love Archer, so that is a shame. She's really funny in that show. And yeah, I need to see Play Mystery for me also. My parents have hyped it up
0: to me for years. I've heard it's like a carbon copy of Fatal Attraction. Like they just ripped off the movie so hard. But I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't, I can't claim that for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I just know that my parents have hyped it. My mom is like, it's one of the few Eastwood films she likes, so. I think it was his first one as a director.
0: I believe so. Right on. Uh, so that's all that happened last week in film. Let's talk Nobody. The only big release of this week. Vita uh, release that we both were able to go see. Very excited. Uh, Nobody was directed by Ilya Naishuler, the director of the 2015 innovative action flick Hardcore Henry, which... I thought it was really cool. I enjoyed Hardcore Henry.
1: I liked it a lot. That, that movie was awesome. Not enough people have seen that, and more people need to go watch
0: that movie. When I worked at Alamo Draft House, we picked up Hardcore Henry, and I was a food runner, and one person went to see Hardcore Henry, and I delivered a bowl of fried pickles to that person, and that was the only time I went into the Hardcore Henry theater, the entire time we had that's a bummer. Yeah, it it
1: may I mean, yeah, it makes me sad. i I getting, yeah, I rented it and I heard I fell in love. I was like, why has no one seen this movie?
0: Yeah, it's it's incredibly creative and uh, really cool. I love Charlton Copley, and I wish he got more work. I don't know what the hell happened to him, but
1: uh, I, I, I've loved him in everything I've watched. All the stuff he does with No Bomb Camp, Hardcore Henry,
0: yeah. Remember Murdoch in the 18?
1: Oh yeah, he was actually really good as <laughs> Murdoch.
0: That movie is is pretty good. I I was surprised. Like that's an entertaining film.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't care what people say. I was really I get entertained every time I see that film.
0: Yeah, how could you not? The uh the film nobody was written by Derek Kolstad who wrote all 3 John Wick films and is part of the writers team for The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So this guy knows how to write action. And he brought it with nobody. Uh, there's potential for this film to one day cross over with John Wick. There's definitely a, a similar tone. Uh, it's not outside the realm of possibility to think that these guys exist in the same world. Uh, the ultimate showdown. Hutch Mansell is pretty much like the government's John Wick. <laughs> uh, one thing I love about him is that he doesn't win most of his fights. Like he, tr- he fights, but in the end, he still gets his ass kicked because he's like, you know, pushing 50 and out of shape. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's what I point out in uh,
1: my review when I, put, when I put the one up for the site was, you know, like it's not just in horror, right? A big movie comes out, it becomes a hit. The studios take notice and just do all the, and most of them come, look at the wrong thing that made it famous and come out with carbon copy copycats that suck. Then you get some series and creators like look at like, okay, what do people like about this? And what can we add to it? Like what creative anger can we go with? And that's where this fell into mm-hmm. where they found a creative anger. And I think it helped having the writer from John, all three John wicks. Yeah. And it, and that was to me, the angle they went with was, okay, yes, it is a awesome balls of all action like John wick, but unlike John wick, this guy gets his ass kicked. <laughs> this guy's a little out of shape. He ain't in shape like John Reese. But he still always comes up the winner at
0: the end, and you still need to be terrified of this man. Yeah, and he still invokes fear, like the scene where he goes to to find the guys who you know who robbed his house, and that one soldier sees the tattoo, and he's like, "Oh shit, this guy's business," and he like leaves, like "Thank you for your service," and like locks himself out. Like I love how they build him up. Like this guy was someone. Like what was he to the world? And I it kind of keeps it a little vague. As to what he really did, which I think leaves it open for franchise exploration, because John Wick did the same thing kind of told you like he was a Russian mob enforcer, but also, you know, much more than that. Yeah. And I'm excited oh. to see, like you know, who Hutch Mansell was. Yeah, I, that
1: was an idea. Uh, I really liked that scene because the guy's just like, thank you for your service. He's like, thanks, old man. And you just see the guy lock in and shit. And then just bounce like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm not
0: a part of this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love those when, when that happens. So Bob Odenkirk stars as Hutch Mansell, secret badass. Odenkirk was known for his sketch comedy show, Mr. Show with Bob and David, as well as his appearances on the Larry Sanders show before he hit superstardom when he was cast as sleazy lawyer Saul Goodman on Breaking Bad and later starred in his own spinoff, Better Call Saul, which is entering its sixth and final season. And I am a massive Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul fan. I mean, Austin and I did a whole filmgasm bonus when El Camino came out, and d- discussed our favorite moments of Breaking Bad. Like, I am a diehard, super fan of those shows. So mm-hmm. I love Bob Odenkirk. I was in on this before I saw anything. I saw his face, and I'm like, I'm going to see this movie.
1: Okay, I was about to say this is. I really wanted to talk about this because I know you're a big Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul fan. I unfortunately missed the bus when it came out. So I've not seen Breaking Bad. I haven't seen Vericall Saul I know who he is. I've seen him a lot of like various bit parts and comedies, and he does make me laugh. I think he's a really funny guy. Yeah. So I did want to see like how did you think he did in this from someone who's a massive fan of who knew he was, and then like where I come from
0: not knowing as much. I think that Bob Odenkirk shows incredible range in this film. Uh I think he approaches Hutch Mansell with a lot like as like a depressed, stuck in a rut character who also happens to be a super trained like combat agent. And that's almost secondary to who this guy is. This movie's more about a man stuck in a rut rediscovering what makes him happy in life. That just happens to be murdering bad people. <laughs> but I, you know, I think having seen him play a lot of different characters, uh, especially Saul and Jimmy in the spinoff, Bob Odenkirk is a very talented actor who doesn't seem to think he is, which is wild. I watched a video from GQ where he kind of discussed his career, talked about different projects he's done. And he's very humble. He doesn't believe that he's like deserving of all this success. And he doesn't consider himself a great actor but he fucking is. And he's earned his place. And I can't wait to see him. I really hope this propels him to like, you know, a movie star career because he's, he deserves it. He's earned it. And with Better Call Saul ending, this will give him an opportunity to, you know, keep doing work. And I'm excited for that. Uh, Saul Goodman is my favorite character in Breaking Bad. He's hilarious. He's a prick, but he gets shit done. The, the way they meet him is uh one of their associates gets busted for meth possession and they need to get him out of jail. And there's this commercial, you know, better call Saul, like local sleazy new, uh, Albuquerque lawyer. He has a big inflatable Statue of Liberty on top of his office that's in a strip mall. It's all oh good. God. And um, the way like Walt and Jesse are sitting in a car and Walt's like, are you kidding me? We need a real lawyer. And Jesse's like, no, you need this guy. This is a real lawyer. This is a guy who's going to, you know, sleaze it up pay off the right people get your guy out of prison the way we need it he say we don't, the way he phrases it is we don't need a criminal lawyer we need a criminal lawyer <laughs> it's perfect and from the get-go you're like yeah this guy's a piece of shit but i like him <laughs> yeah it's fantastic and I, i'm so glad he was given his own show that explores like how he became this bastard
1: <sighs> okay
0: gotta watch those shows
1: oh so yeah i i know i know i was gonna say on like my end not having seen those shows i only have known him as a comedic actor so like if i've it's always been comedy associated with him Mm -hmm. and he was one of those like what i've seen i was like i like he knows how to do comedy he's great at it Yeah. um so i remember seeing him being like really okay this is an interesting choice for your lead in an action movie but again, because of Hardcore Henry, I was like, well, I'm going to see it. I like that movie a lot. And watching this, and I was I was blown away. I was very impressed with uh, not having as much knowledge with his with his prior stuff that, you know, he was able to pull off the action scenes the way he did. The Even the, like the solo things you're talking about, you know, he pulled off really well. And even still having that bit of comedy throughout, you know, he did have moments where he did get comedic. And I was still laughing. So it's like he, I was, yeah, I was impressed. He really showed incredible range in like 90
0: minutes. (laughs) One of my favorite quotes from Breaking Bad that I think really defines the character of Saul Goodman uh, was in season three, I think. It was when Saul first meets Walt's wife. And the way what he says to her is, well, I see my client's taste in women is the same as his taste in lawyers'. Only the best with just a little bit of dirty. (laughs) Fucking brilliant, man. Like, oh, and they're both just like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm a fan big time of Bob Odenkirk. And not just him, but like, there's so many great people in this cast. Uh, Let's talk a bit about them. So we got Connie Nielsen as Becca Mansell, Hutch's completely oblivious wife. Uh, Nielsen is known for her role as Queen Hippolyta In the Wonder Woman films As well as her role as Lucilla in Gladiator And um, I feel like she was a little underutilized uh, But I get why You know, it's two separate worlds And he has to kind of have one foot in each uh, I'm sure that If this does get a sequel That'll be further explored
1: Yeah, and she wasn't really as underutilized As an actor will get to Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, No, I mean I, li- I like her in this, but she's always been one of those actresses I like. You know, I love her in Gladiator. Yeah, Like her in uh, Wonder Woman. And she was also really good here. I was actually kind of like couldn't tell at times if she was oblivious
0: to his past life or knew. Yeah, like when she's, you know, when he shows up with all the wounds and she's just kind of like treating the wounds, it did feel like here we go again. Yeah. But then later on when, you know, the, the criminals stormed the house, she's like, what's going on? It was a little unclear how much she knew about his life,
1: yeah. I pardon of me wonders if she knew a little bit I and mean, may knew he put me something dark behind him when they met, but not maybe, may not the full
0: uh details. That could be, yeah, there's something to that. I mean, he had a lot of you know, a lot of uh skeletons in the closet. Uh, Russian actor yeah. Alexei Sarah Breikov plays Yulian Kunetsov, the psychotic gangster. I'm I'm not Russian. I'm doing my best.
1: <laughs> great job, there, buddy.
0: Sarah Brykov has done a number of Russian films, including Leviathan, Van Gogh's, and Cargo 200. And this is his first American production. And he's great. He's a great bad guy. This dude's hilarious and scary at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah. He to me, he brings like the most European, like foreign flair to this movie. You know, American bad guys they make a point to make them almost overly really serious and scary we've watched a lot of foreign films Their bad guys can be like all over the fucking place they'll be scary one minute and then like completely hilarious next it's like a roller coaster going with these bad guys and he really brought it that style to this movie and it works completely
0: well Derek Colstad really likes writing Russian gangsters uh, I mean this guy felt like you know Vigo Tarasov if he was like missing some brain cells. <laughs> I love his yeah. introduction of just like you know, kind of doing karaoke in his club, and then these other gangsters like, I don't know if you you're the right guy to protect our stuff. And he just breaks a martini glass and carves up some asshole. I'm like Jesus. <laughs> in his line, convinced yet. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who that was? No. Who was <laughs> it's like, no. Oh, my God. That's great. Uh, I hope he gets to do more because uh, he was. Yeah, I was impressed. Um, Christopher Lloyd.
1: Yeah, I hope, to, I hope to see more stuff.
0: Christopher Lloyd plays David Mansell, Hutch's ex-soldier father. Lloyd is known mostly for his role as Dr. Emmett Brown in the Back to the Future franchise. Some of his other films include Clue, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Dennis the Menace, among many others. This is a guy who's been working consistently since the 70s. One of my all-time favorite actors. I mean, we did uh, Back to the Future on Oscar Sunday a few months ago. Great time. That was, you know, it's my favorite movie of all time, so I was very happy to see him in this, and his... I love his character so much. <laughs> I was... Yeah, I remember when I was like, oh, sweet, Christopher
1: Lloyd's in it, and then we'll probably get to it later when we talk about scenes and stuff, but God, his, the whole fucking climax. I had a grin on my face the
0: whole time. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah, Christopher Lloyd, you do it. You get it. So apart from Back to the Future, which is pretty much everybody's, you know, go-to Christopher Lloyd performance, uh, what are some other movies of his that you like really love? Christopher Lloyd performances. Oh, God. Uh,
1: shit, I actually have to rack the noggin for the other things I've seen him in. <laughs>
0: Well, I'll bring up one. Um I don't mind Judge Doom in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. On IMDB. Uh Judge oh, Doom. Oh shit. Yeah, that's right. I like yeah, he- <laughs> he's scary as fuck. I I love that performance. I love the fact that he doesn't blink at all because <laughs> he's not human. He's a tune. And Christopher Lloyd plays such a great bad guy. And uh Like you know, Dennis the Menace, Switchblade Sam, it's goofy but it's fun. Uh, yeah, he's 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 yeah.
1: I like yeah. Um, Also, also Clue or Adams
0: Family? Fester. Yeah, I forgot about the Adams Family. (laughs) Good call. (laughs) I got
1: on IMDb. I was like, oh, I gotta wreck my I gotta wreck my brain here. Fucking forgot what else I've seen him in. But that's right. Yeah, I do like him as Fester and his family and Clue.
0: He's hilarious in that too. Professor Plum, yeah, who's constantly hitting on all the women. It's you and me, yeah. like just that's great. <laughs> that's a great movie. I'm
1: actually like Ryan Reynolds keeps talking about a remake that I definitely want to happen with him attached.
0: Yeah. If they get a good cast going, they, they can be great. Because Clue, its biggest strength was the ensemble. Like, everyone was so, so good. And it'll be tough to capture that again. Yeah, it will be, but... Eh, yeah, we'll see. We will see. Uh, Wu-Tang Clan member Rizza plays Harry Mansell, Hutch's brother. Apart from his lucrative rap career, RZA has also appeared in such films as The Man with the Iron Fists, American Gangster, The Dead Don't Die, and G.I. Joe Retaliation. And it was so cool to see Rizza just show up and be like, I got your back, bro. Like he he clearly, you know, faked his own death at some point. And I want to hear I want his story. I want a (laughs) spinoff. Yeah. I was so like honestly,
1: the past movies I've seen with Rizza in it, never been that impressed. Like, I like I, I like his time in Wu Tang but besides that, his movie was just like, okay, not that great Rizza. but this one, I actually really liked him in it. And we're going, give me more of Rizza. Let me see. I want to see more of what happened to him.
0: Oh yeah. Um, And finally, Michael Ironside plays, uh Hutch's father-in-law and boss and Ironside has always been one of my favorite character actors. And I was shocked to see how he, has really kind of, you know, no disrespect meant, but he's looking rough.
1: It, I didn't recognize him at first, but he has such a recognized voice. When we started start talking. I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh God, that's Michael Ironside. I was like, Oh, like, like I get it. We get older and age happens, but wow.
0: It was yeah. a little sad to see that. He's, you know, he's underutilized as hell, but I get why, uh, but he, you know, he could have been a great bad guy in this. I think he's still got it in him to play memorable characters. You know, I'll. To me, he'll always be Lieutenant Ratchik from Starship Troopers. You know, I only have one rule: everyone fights, no one quits. You don't do your job, I'll shoot you. Like, how do you not, cr- you know, get chills at that?
1: Look, his his whole time with Parverhoven was awesome. I mean, you get that RoboCop, uh,
0: Total Recall, like all the movies he did with him. He is awesome in them. I think my I love him in Starship Troopers. One of my favorite roles of his was uh, voicing Dark Side in uh, Justice League, the cartoon. He brought a real terror to that character. Like you believed this guy could conquer the universe, and I really wish you know. I, I love the Snyder Cut, but I think it would have been really cool if Michael Ironside had voiced him again. Yeah,
1: that would have been cool. I no spoilers. I haven't seen. Snyder's cut yet. I still need to carve out four hours or some at least an hour of my time.
0: It's bitching. It's but it's a great movie. I'm ah. sure
1: it is, but it's
0: it's a commitment. It is a commitment. It's your whole day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth it. Like I'd watch it again. <laughs> Nobody has an IMDB score of 7.8 and a current Rotten Tomatoes score of 80%. So it's doing really well. Uh No word yet on box office return, uh, but not expecting much for obvious reasons. Uh, Let's discuss the movie. All right. So I love the way this film opens with just title cards of days and montage of the same shit constantly. Always forgetting the trash, you know, Metro Pass, coffee, like spreadsheets, go home. Hey, you missed the trash. Rinse and repeat
1: yeah no it's it's brilliant because it gets you with that with them like you identify with the character immediately because we're all stuck in a rut yeah you get up and do the same routine every day and it is mind-numbing so when you see that happen and you're seeing it constantly Mm -hmm. with
0: them immediately you're in for like oh yeah been there know what that's like buddy yeah for sure and we get you know the the robbery and his his reluctance to fight because eventually as we find out he realized the gun's empty and there's no real threat Mm
1: -hmm. i love
0: that that's why and uh it just it makes sense that this is a guy who has killed so many people like this is a guy that death doesn't even register to him anymore it's just it literally is just business to this guy and he wants that back it's so weird to see a character like John Wick, as you can feel, is tortured by it. Like He doesn't want to be this, but it's just who he is. But this guy, he wants nothing more than to step back into that world and blow mm-hmm. some brains out. It's such an odd <laughs> way to see that. We never see that kind of a character that's just like, God, I wish I could kill someone right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like and, yeah, he wants it bad because of the rut re- he's stuck in. He can't get he, – he's so tired of the race, he's like, God, if I could just go back to killing, that would be fantastic. And to an extent, you kind of are with them. You see the way people treat him constantly. I mean, his own kids with the robbery, which at first, you know, they don't lay out that info that the Bullets are <laughs> just like, why didn't he attack them? And you see his kids treat them the way they do. His wife puts a pillow between them when they sleep yeah. for whatever reason his neighbor was not so slowly putting in his face that he got this Mustang that he's going to drive really fast and, you know, he goes to work and his wife's brother works there and is giving, like he's dealing with people constantly putting him down as a man, essentially as a man. They're like, eh, you're
0: not that much of a man. You can't even defend your household. Yeah. Like in so, that, the day after the robbery, when his his sons like you know, I need to interview a soldier for a for a paper, and he's like, "Well, I didn't really see any action." And his when the Connie Nielsen goes, "Well, you can interview Grandpa. He was a real soldier." Like fuck, <laughs> harsh. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see like Hutch was like he it stung. He goes like, Oof. but he doesn't say anything. He's like, "She's right." He just he doesn't want to upset. The apple card, but at the same time he wants to do something, and that you know it culminates on the bus fight, which I thought was so well choreographed.
1: Look, like we said, it's written by the idiot John Wick, and if there's one thing that has made me so happy since Sean Wick came out, is that American action movies have stepped up with foreign action movies now. Damn straight. uh, God, the fight choreography in so many action movies has improved, and this is. Very evident in this scene. This the fight choreography is amazing. You know, no, it's not John Wick stylized, you're seeing every single thing and he's not taking any hits. This is a real, like, if it was a real person who's been out of the game for so long, he's middle aged, he's a little out of shape now, fighting Russian gangsters.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. He's just, you know, I love when the guy just punches him in the back of the head and he's just like, ah, oh, but then keeps fighting. Like, yeah, it makes sense. There's no, you know. Form yet, he's still, you know, he's getting back on the horse, and um it just starts out so simple. He just takes out the gun, takes the bullets out, just goes, "I'm gonna fuck you up." It's just so easy. It's and he, yeah, he gets like hurled out the window, gets up, goes back on the fucking bus. It's
1: just <laughs> hilarious. He just like walks past the bus lady, so kind of looks there and just hold on, <laughs> just opens the door to get back in. I think I like the part where he sees the guy grabbing the bullets, like to load the gun and his face, his little face, when he just goes, uh, kind of rolls his eyes, and then just grabs the bar, just yanks it off, and beats the shit out of the guy with it.
0: Mm. Yeah, and that, you know, gets him involved with the Russians. And it's interesting how that happens. There's it's not like a you know, oh, he's back in the game. It's who the fuck is this guy? And that's cool because we're in the same boat. We're like, who is this guy? And we get little glimpses of like, you know, he was an auditor for the government. Like he was sent to take out anybody who was deemed like a legitimate threat. He was a government assassin. And I love his story about the guy he let go who got like, who ended up having a family. And he was like, fuck, I want that. (laughs) That's why he got out of the game because he was jealous of some asshole he let go. What I liked even more was the
1: recurring jo- uh, joke of the, him telling people his backstory and then falling asleep on him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that was great. I love the the whole like black Russian recurring gag where he's like, I never saw a black Russian before. He's like, yes, I get that a lot. <laughs> and the whole like when the assault on the house, when he puts his family in the basement is like, don't call 911. And just fucks these guys up. It was so cool when he breaks the bat and just stabs the dude. God damn, man! Dude, I, uh, I I wonder too.
1: With this brother, we mentioned his thing with Russian gangsters. Did he have issues with his house? Because John Wick and now this movie have feature scenes where the houses get fucked up. <laughs> Maybe
0: it's it's weird. I think you know. I don't know. <laughs> May it's funny. I like how he killed the guy with the teapot, though. That was fucking
1: brutal. That was grisly. In the lasagna, he took the time to make, I should point out.
0: Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then they still, you know, they tase him, and he loses that fight. He ends up handcuffed in the in the trunk. I love it, – it, instinctively, he immediately, like, dislocates his thumb to get out of the cuffs, like yeah. muscle memory almost, like, damn. He doesn't – and that's – he knows he – that's, to me,
1: when you kind of tell, like, he's really getting his training back. He doesn't a uh, miss a beat, he – Breaks his thumb, gets out of the coast, opens the trunk a little bit, see where they're going,
0: and then immediately devises a way to get out. That was great when he just kicks his way through and crashes the car. God damn, man. <laughs> I was when he just starts like, yeah,
1: spraying the damn extinguisher till they crash, I was like, fuck yeah.
0: Dude, he's John Whack. He's not quite there, but he's getting there. Uh- I don't, that was stupid. He's it's working on though. it. <laughs> um, so the Russians figure out, like, all right. I love when his uh, Alexi's, like, his name is Alexi, right? The bad guy. Uh, what the hell was his name? One second. Yeah, I think it was Alexi. The actor is Alexi. Julian is the bad guy. My mistake. Uh, when Julian's, like, oh. Finder discovers who this guy is by blackmailing her guy at the Pentagon. And she, like, finds all of this murder and, like, death. And she's like, I'm out. No questions. Here he is. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. Like, no, you don't have to pay me anything. I'm gone. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Doesn't even go in there and just throws everything
1: at him and then leaves. I, I love, like, I love how great this guy, the writer, is with like between john wick and this how he can build up these characters so well he doesn't put out like explanation and boring ass exposition mm-hmm. throughout it is like the reaction of how people are you know are acting to this person being back you know john wick you had the various reactions to him being back in the game people were going ah shit yeah and you had it here too if you were
0: being like nope out all right it's your problem wipe my hands clean but it's the thing is it's not just people like in both movies it's hardened Russian gangsters who are like nope fuck this (laughs) that isn't that's amazing that it builds it up so well to be like what is this guy not who is this guy what is this guy
1: (laughs) what is this guy
0: capable of doing yeah oh it's fantastic um I think my favorite moment is when the gangsters go after Christopher Lloyd and he's just sitting there in his chair, like Hutch warned Hutch called him and said like, Hey, it, the day has come. And Dad's like, it's okay. <laughs> like there's very little dialogue there, but this guy's, you know, an ex soldier, ex FBI, like he's trained to get the feeling that he trained his kids to be prepared for anything. I think this guy was into some deep shit. I would love to see that story. And, I would, uh, yeah, I
1: would. for sure. Oh yeah, no, a movie with like all three of them in it equally would be awesome. Like a sequel, to all three of them equally would be awesome. Yeah, no, I do like that scene too, especially when the orderly walks in and he's <laughs> like, "Man, what did I say?" You turn the TV down, and then it cuts, and he's like having the guy near him.
0: <laughs> but just like they come around to kill him, and he's just like he puts his hand on the hammer to keep it from shooting, and then blows the guy away with a with like a fucking sawed off. Damn, man. Yeah, best just hold him quietly while he's struggling to breathe. And they, oh, damn. This part is, that's not even like the last time you get to see
1: Chris Floyd in action, which is great.
0: This whole damn family is bloodthirsty as hell. <laughs> all three of these guys have been waiting for an opportunity like this. Yeah, they were just waiting, all bored. I love when he... Um, Hutch is trying to buy his father in law's business because he wants something of his own. It's like waste management or something. And he just shows up to the office with a box of gold and is like, here. And Michael Ironside's like, holy shit, deal. And I love the, <laughs> the, the son in law or the brother in law is like, but what am I going to do? And Hutch just goes, I don't give a fuck. I don't <laughs> give a fuck. Get out. <laughs> I love
1: when you tried to punch Hutch and Hutch fucking just. Dodges and punches him right in the fucking gut.
0: And All then right, gonna, no, just sit down, yeah. sit down. It's okay. It's okay. And he's just like, ugh, <laughs> just crying. <laughs> he home alone traps that whole damn place and the Russians show up. And I love Riz is there with a sniper rifle and uh Christopher Lloyd shows up with shotguns.
1: Before we get to that, I love the lead up to that. When he's at when he goes to the club. Yeah. And yeah. the dude, the, the Russian. Mo- guy's singing, and he sees him, and he's like enjoying the meal. Nah, give him a little entertainment.
0: That's great. Yeah, I love that part because he's just. I love that Julian's y- y- like, "What are you doing here? Like, what's the game here? Like, why are you here?" And I just, like, you came after my family. You don't fucking do that. I just. <laughs> Oh my god, the the balls on this dude, it's it's awesome. I know this stuff has been right, done a hundred times, but
1: it's done well though. It's been done a hundred times, but it's done well in this movie. Yes. So it gets you into it. And what I love about that scene is that numerous times, uh, he thinks he has the upper hand on Hutch. Numerous times. He pulls the guns, he has all his Russian gangsters pull the guns on them, and the dude just removes his napkin and reveals that he has a bomb trapped- shreft. <laughs> He's ready to pull that pin if they even try. He's got a fucking Claymore. Like, yeah. So they, they just bounce because he wants to be alone. And then when he tries to yell back and off, like, you don't fucking do that. And he's like, you killed my brother. And he means like, well, he last time I checked, he was still alive. Jumping <laughs> the gun. So he, he's like constantly thinking he has the upper hand on Hutch in this scene. And Hutch just constantly comes back, and I'm like, no, you don't. I'm in
0: control. You're not. Well, that's when Yulian finds out that Hutch burned the entire fortune of the Russian mob that Yulian was supposed to be protecting. And he tells him, like, I know you didn't want to do that. Like, you're, this is your out. You know, go home. Do what you want. Just leave me alone. Let us go our separate ways. This is your one opportunity. Fuck, man.
1: <laughs> and then the car chase scene with the song they picked for it was <laughs> awesome i love how when hush gets his car you see him cross his fingers like he's even hoping like just please don't do it don't do it and as
0: soon as he sees him come out he's like oh okay he so i had to do it <laughs> heartbreaker right by pat benatar that's what it was
1: yeah heartbreaker
0: excellent yeah zero to 60 and i'm about to find the fuck out <laughs> <laughs> beautiful and yeah, leads him to the factory where he's got backup. Dad and bro are there to fuck up some Russians. And
1: this was a scene that had a smile on my face the whole way through. I mean, every time Bob Erdenko was taking out people, watching Christopher Lloyd just gleefully, I should point out, take out people with a shotgun. And then Riza kicking ass like that scene when he shot the dude three dudes with one sniper. I didn't even want to jump out of my seat.
0: It was so awesome to see. That was bitching. Yeah. What does he say uh, to dad? Like, he brought a lot of shotguns. And he goes, well, you brought a lot of Russians. <laughs> I, just, <gasps> I love Christopher Lloyd to death. And I love that, he, you know, dude's in his 80s and he's pushing, you know, he's doing shit like this. Like, that's fantastic. You know, he had a blast.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, you know, it unfortunately, Hollywood has this thing, right? Where like if actors and actors get old, they can't do certain things by Hollywood standards. Yeah. So when you have these younger directors or writers are like, no, fuck that. Let's see if we if they're even if they're interested and in, they can totally do it. So the fact that they even like more like ask i like, look, it's going to grab some action scenes. Are you down? And since he's in the movie, he clearly said yes. So to see someone like, yeah, Christopher Lloyd. Fucking Doc Brown, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> like, Uncle Fester, like, you know, like to turn on with two shotguns blowing out,
0: mowing down Russian gangsters. Fuck yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I love they all make it out. Like, Rizzo gets shot, but, you know, they're all good. And the way Hutch fucks up Julian is so awesome. Straps the Claymore to bulletproof glass and runs at him, and just blasts him apart. God damn, one of the most badass death scenes in movie history. Jesus. It, that was awesome. And God, Julian was such an idiot for continuing to shoot.
1: Like, don't you worry, know, he was in the end, but it equaled amazing entertainment on my end, so I'll take it.
0: Yeah, it's great, and you know, in the end, they end up, you know, moving, because Hutch burned the house down. And- oh.
1: But his secret burning record, that was awesome.
0: (laughs) But he gets a call, like you know, you. It's almost like, you know, John Wick. You can't just come back without consequences. And Hutch is clearly back in the game, or at least you know, the rest of the Russian mob is not going to be so happy that this guy burned their life savings. (laughs) So you don't, you can't run from that. They're going to find you. Yeah,
1: no, and I do like how when he gets the call and he's like, uh, do you and his wife immediately, do you have a basement? <laughs> like she's in. It's not gonna be those cliches or like, I have to leave you. Cause I'm tired. No, she's she's in. She's like, all right, hon, I get it. Let's get
0: a basement. Let's keep this family safe. Yeah, I they're clearly setting up for a potential franchise and I welcome it. I look forward to this. I um, love when he gets arrested and he's got the cat. And like the smoke, and he's just like, I'm, you know, they're like, who the fuck are you? He's just, nobody. They're going to arrest him, and they get the call, and you just stare, you see their eyes like, fuck. (laughs) Like, clearly, they got like a big call and said, like, let this guy go right now.
1: Yeah. Which one can almost argue, almost kind of ups John Wick a little bit because it was only the Russian gangsters that were scared of him. Well, no, there was that one cop, Jimmy. Can't forget about Jimmy. Local Jimmy is just like, yeah, you working again,
0: John? <laughs> oh, just sorting some stuff out. Okay. <laughs> Smart cop. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you had like a version of
1: that here, but this time they get that phone call and it was like, all right, yep, you're good to go. Can't even get arrested. That's probably why he was so calm, like cool and calm during
0: being in there. This guy is clearly known as, like, the asset in some circles. Like, that's, this guy is, you know, the guy you send in when everything else has gone to shit. And that's awesome. I mean, you know, it's not new ground. It's not, you know, it's familiar territory. But it's a world we love walking into because it's fun. And there's nothing wrong with having fun. Yeah
1: if that's what i'm saying like yeah it has been done a thousand times and obviously the most recent example that we keep saying because it's from the same writer is john wick yeah but again much like with that film how that kind of revitalized kind of Reeves's career and in the way this one almost to me is going to really reshape Erden kirk's career um they both know how to do world war Territory in a very fun and engaging creative way. Well, you're, you know, yeah, I have seen this before, but this is so fucking entertaining. I can't look away. Like, I want to keep watching. I want more.
0: I agree. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to like a John Wick cinematic universe where these guys, you know, team up to fuck up some like triads or something. I would, like, I'd love to see that. <laughs> or, like, what if, you know, the government sends in Hutch to take out John Wick? Like, that's oh. a that's a plausible story right there. Well, you know there's still a John Wick chapter four and five on the way, so who knows? I don't know. I just I everyone's been kind of coy about that. You know, Derek Kolstad has not said no, so I don't know. <laughs> it's all yeah. the rage now. You know, it's the age of cinematic universes. If you can make one work, well, great. Yeah, and
1: I don't. Know, in general, like after this director's kind of like, I feel like the mist. Opportunity he got with uh, Hardcore and Henry not becoming bigger than it should have been. I want this to become big. I really want this director to have a huge success with this, so that he we can get a franchise and so he gets more work. So I really like his brand of action. Yeah, and what, what he brings to the, the action cinema. So I want to see him do more.
0: I really, his, really do. His direction and Colstad's screenplay makes for some entertainment for sure. Like they work well together. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, I dug this movie. I give it an eight. Um, it's a solid action flick with serious franchise potential, and I enjoyed it. Yep, I uh, I agreed with you. I gave it an
1: eight as well. I'm really impressed with Odin Kirk. Awesome action scenes. I want more. I
0: want to see some more sequels. Yeah, for sure. I want a franchise. I want to buy a box set someday. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, next week's release is going to be Through the Fucking Roof. Uh- First up, we have a new demonic possession horror flick called The Unholy. So we might discuss that. But most of all, we have the long awaited blockbuster Godzilla versus Kong getting a theater and HBO Max release. Uh, Caleb will be joining me next week for that epic battle, as well as for the 2001 sci fi comedy Evolution on Wednesday's Filmgasm podcast. Gonna make Good less- week. <laughs> Let them fight. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm gonna for sure be marathoning the 2014 to 2019 MonsterVerse films prior, and uh, I'll be seeing a Day of Wednesday.
1: I, I wish I could say the same thing. I, if I wasn't so behind on everything else, I would. I'd be there because I really like this MonsterVerse. So, but we'll get into like the MonsterVerse next next week.
0: Oh hell yeah! For Easter, Austin and I will be doing the 1956 epic, The Ten Commandments, on Oscar Sunday. And the Giggle Guys will be back to make y'all laugh on Friday. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week. Keep watching movies.